Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott, and thank you also for allowing me to do my broadcast last Saturday from home. Scott, man, he is obviously a professional, way beyond just doing the news. So thanks again, Scott. And hello to you, and how is your plant world doing? If you'd like to talk about it, you can just simply give us a call, 314-436-7900, or 1-800-925-1120. And as usual, leading off every Saturday morning will be the Good Gardening Stroll, but then afterwards we'll discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, your hillside, shrubs, lawn, ground cover, any and everything planted in your outdoors, or we can step inside your house and have a look at your tropical world. From routine care and maintenance, whether pets that you're having is having an impact as the dogs are running along the fence and you can't get grass to grow there no matter what you do, what's the difference between potting mix and potting soil, pruning, insect troublemakers, suspicious growth spots, transplanting? Can you do it? <gasps> Is it too early? It's too late? What? How about taking cuttings and beyond? I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision on what action, if any, is needed and should be considered. Remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you hearing about your plant world. All you have to do is simply call. Another very important player is Drew. He's producing, so he's pushing all the buttons and sliding all the sliders. And uh, very crucial. I'm Mike Miller, by the way. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning get-together, if you'd like for me to come to your home and check out your plant world as we can walk around together and do a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Kind of cool this morning, so uh, uh, I was shivering. 
For some reason, I didn't bring a coat. <laughs> but I do have a sweater on. Anyway, uh, there's Streets, Entman, Simpson, Esther, Bowman, and all kinds of other stuff, too. And Clifton runs right past that, and Simpson splits off and embraces Clifton Park. Clifton Heights Park. Well, Lake sits at the very bottom at the far end. It's a really a steep valley, and it's surrounded by a really unique collection of homes, architecture-wise. The walkways off Simpson go down the hills, some straight down, some kind of take a, a more aesthetic approach. And, uh, man, I mean, it is a steep valley very quick. It's kind of a little bit unusual for, you know, other areas that I've seen in St. Louis. But it really makes it kind of unique. And uh, various numerous varieties of deciduous trees occupy the park as well as along this hillside. And I'll tell you, the maple tree buds are really opening, and that is going to mean something that I'll talk about a little bit later. The uh, red oak trees are still holding on to the leaves from last year, and uh, birds were sweeping all over the place and enjoying just the park just kind of in general. And um, parts of it were nice sunniness, uh, and then there's some white pines in there too. The blue-berried junipers were really occupying one particular area. A newer playground is not necessarily directly in the park, but it's just off across Simpson from the park. And uh, I was waiting for warmer days so the kids can come out and play. And uh, there's, it's a, the park is, uh, or the playground is surrounded by benches where the parents can sit and just marvel at the athletic abilities of their kids. There's river birches at the base, at the bottom, around the lake. And it's a great setting for this historic lake. And uh, there's a building there, a historic building, too. But uh, there's no access to the top where you could, you, you know, historically, it's one that you can just go and just kind of sit back and take it easy. But it's under repair, so you can't actually do that anymore. Um, the speed limit to the, on Simpson around the park area it's 15 miles per hour, so don't get there and think you're going to be going very fast. The city forestry department has removed several trees, obviously, that were on the downhill side, and uh, they left some short stumps. And um, at the very top, underneath the sign that says this is Clifton Park, the daffodils were, uh, I guess because of the exposure and everything else, uh, not fully in bloom, but just starting to show some yellow color and when they were showing the yellow color, they were all going, yay, springtime is officially here. In a few weeks, the official springtime will be here. So it was a fantastic time walking around this morning in Clifton Park. And uh, it's a neat park. I mean, it's really kind of an unusual one. It's not huge, but it's still really entertaining with all the different uh, topographies and everything else. And like I said, the architecture of the homes that surround it are really very, very unique. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 
Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have a couple phone lines open, but right now let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I've got a line of uh, old, uh, large arborvita that the deer are damaging a lot, and I was thinking of just starting to replace them. And uh, it's a large mulch area, so I, I'm looking for something that doesn't reseed itself, you know. Sure. And uh, an evergreen. So I'm thinking you and Holly are possibilities for that. Yeah, either one. I mean, yeah. if the, probably if I was going to pick a holly and you want something with a little height, um, I look at the foster holly versus the American holly. The foster seems to be a little bit tougher, but maybe a combination of both of them. And, yeah. uh, and now, with what the, was that, foster? Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R. Oh, okay. It's just a narrow leaf where the uh, classic uh, American holly has a wider, more traditional type foliage. And they both produce, you know, red berries. So you're going to have to get uh, X amount of females, and then you know, have one male to pollinate the females. Okay. Now the foster does that give it a size to it? Maybe six feet or more? Uh, a little bit more than that, but it's. Oh, that'd be yeah, uh, that'd be too much. Yeah, okay. all the hollies are fairly slow growing and established, but uh, they do need an acidic soil. But pretty much every. Any evergreen does need an acidic soil. If you've had arborvitae in this spot, it's probably, you know, acidic, but it probably wouldn't hurt. Uh, I don't know if how much, you know, you're going to want to invest in this, but to get a soil test to find out what this, you know, the soil pH is and just the nutrient level. So when you put them in, they're going to have a better chance of you know, sort of like get a kickstart. Okay. Yeah, at first I was thinking about dwarf spruce. Uh, I was looking at some yesterday at the store, and they I, I could swear they used to say that they'd get to six feet or so, and now they're saying three to four feet right. on, the, on the tags. Well, when it's six feet, it's like a, a hundred years to get that big. You yeah. Know, exaggerating, <laughs> but they're very, very slow growing. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. I'll try the foster uh, version of the holly. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, they're a little thinner than what the American holly is. So as far as their their width at the base, so I don't know if you're using it for a screen or anything else. But uh, rather than planting them in a straight line, plant them in a zigzag with a couple feet in between each one, so you can finally get it to infill. Let's go over to Bill number two this morning. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, I noticed in our local parks and recreational areas, I see lots of mole activity. Last year, I had some moles in my yard, was able to control them. Is there anything I should be doing at this time to solve that problem? No, there's nothing you can do. So you just kind of, you your yard is probably pretty decent. So it has earthworms. That's the main diet for the moles. And uh, grub control really doesn't control moles at all. And, uh, the, or, you know, the ground is still cold, so the earthworms are not moving. So, consequently, the moles are still in their more or less hibernation for wintertime. But as soon as the soil starts warming up, then the earthworms will start moving, and then, consequently, you're going to start seeing more mole activity. If, historically, 
you've seen it, even if you got rid of them this past year, they have a tendency to kind of migrate towards you know, the sound of the earthworms crawling underneath the ground, and you may end up with some you know, in your yard again. Okay. And I also, uh, I'm getting ready to dethatch and uh, aerate my yard. Is it too early to do that? What Do you have a cool season lawn like fescues and bluegrasses, or do you have a fescue? Yeah, yes. Or yes. I, I mean a fescue, and so you don't have zoysia. Yeah, no, you, no zoysia. I would probably maybe wait for another week or so until we officially winter is over, which is going to be another two weeks. But depending upon the weather and uh, temperature-wise, you could probably go ahead and do it if you wanted to. Okay. And we're in a path of the cicadas coming this summer. Uh-huh. Is there anything I can do to help with that problem? No, not really. I don't have any immature trees. Right. So, no, there's not really too much you can do. We're just going to have to see... You know, if this prediction on what's going to happen is really going to happen. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Have a good day. You do the same. And now let's head over to Jane's yard. Hi, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I ripped out my flower beds um, about three, four years ago, and I'm doing container gardening. Mm-hmm. And I put two years ago, I put in uh, bulbs in, in uh, pots. Right. You know, I called you and you said, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Well, for the past two winters, they have rotted. The bulbs have rotted. This past winter, I kept the pots in the garage, pulled them out on the driveway on nice days and watered them. They are sprouting. Right. So now my, now my question to you is, what do I do after they're done blooming? Are they, are they done? Do I have to take them out and put them in a brown bag in the basement? What? I've never done this before. Yeah, it's going to, it's a, basically what bulbs are they? Are they daffodils? Are they crocus? Are they tulips? They are, they are daffodils and um, hyacinths. Okay, hyacinths. Then the chances of them, you know, re- reoccurring next year, even if you pull them out of the pot and put them in paper bags, what you can do is go ahead and do that. And then when it becomes, you know, fall season, at planting time, just look at the bulbs, see how firm they are, see what size they are, and if they look pretty normal, then go ahead and plant them. But if they look, if they're soft or if they yeah. look like they're undersized, then I would say just get some new ones. Okay. Okay. Well, that's what I needed to know. Then thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, Bye-bye. I've been growing bulbs in pots for many, many years, and I just over the years, it just wasn't worth the trouble to not just buy new ones. And I know it's, you know, it's expensive to buy, you know, depending upon how many pots you have and everything else. But uh, the chances of them coming back, uh, hmm, and that, you know, some of that was, even happens in the outdoors and the ground because the way they've been hybridized over the years, you can go into older neighborhoods in the city where there could be abandoned houses or buildings where the, nobody has planted these you know, daffodils for who knows how long, and they're still coming back with no problems at all. But uh, generally, in the ground, well-prepared soil, daffodils, hyacinths are going to give you eh, maybe five, six, seven years, and then tulips is about one to two years, and they just uh, poop out, let's put it that way. So let's head over to, let's go to Pat's yard. Hi, Pat. 
Good morning, Mr. Miller. Good morning. Last week, you shared with us uh, your elbow injury. So yes. my first question is, how are you doing? Uh, well, the cast is off of it, but it's, it's wrapped, and uh, it's really kind of creepy looking. It goes from about uh, four inches from my uh, elbow to towards my hand and then four inches beyond that. So I kind of look like a Frankenstein. And it's your right hand. Yes. <laughs> and I'm right-handed. So I've had to learn to eat, to do so many oh. different things with my left hand. It is really oh. weird. Did you have surgery? Well, I'm sorry. I took yeah. the surprise. Yeah. Oh, you did. I'm yeah. sorry, Mr. Miller. I really am. I know how much you enjoy the outdoors, and it's not fun to be handicapped. No, it isn't. Uh, no. Um, last week, I purchased a bag of granule pre-emergent for my fescue bluegrass lawn. Is it too early to do that? I'm asking because we're going to get some rain later on in the week, and it has to be watered in, and I don't want to connect my hoses. So is it too <laughs> early, sir? Yeah. yeah, we're kind of, you know, I always tell people just watch for the yellow forsythia to be in bloom in your neighborhood that's right. you know this that in, indicates the soil temperature is right for that to be blooming, but also right for seed weed seeds and all kinds of different types of seed to start germinating, and that's when the uh, pre-emergent goes down. Now, if yeah. you have a soil thermometer, you want to do you know put the pre-emergent down when the soil temperatures like in the mid fifties or so. Yeah, I don't have a soil thermometer. I got a meat thermometer. But <laughs> I don't know if that would work, but uh, you could try it. <laughs> okay, so we're kind of on the fence here about putting it down this week. All right. right. Um, and then the uh, another question, which is about the pre-emergent. The kind that I purchased, uh, and I purchased it at OK Hatchery um, here in Kirkwood. The kind that I purchased this year is the type, that, uh, the type of pre-emergent that they tell me I could put in my ivy beds and even around my perennials. I've never done that before. I'm reluctant. What is your take on that? Well, as long as the perennials that you have don't self-seed, you know, like some of the sunflower family does and all this other stuff, as long as things are coming back, which your ground cover is going to be coming back from root systems and, you know, existing right. plants, the pre-emergent doesn't do anything at all to those type things. Right. So the only thing I would risk is maybe some of, like you are saying, some of those sunflowers that might have come back, yeah. Right, might from be seed. because I mean, a lot of the sunflowers are going to come back from the root system and the, and the crowns and everything else. But uh, if there's, you know, seeds that were dropped that will, you know, nullify yeah, any kind germinate. of seeds. Yeah, they'll germinate, yeah. And I do. I get a few volunteers in that bed, okay. so to speak. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir, and take care of yourself. Sure. Thank you. And now let's go over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Barb. Uh, hello. Hello. Oh, hi. This is Barb, and um, I had a question. Uh, this winter, I I grew a beautiful green sweet potato vine in water in my sunny kitchen window. Can I plant this outside in my garden plot, and will it grow and produce new sweet potatoes? <laughs> The the chance of getting you know any kind of production from a you know from the sweet potato is going to be minimal. But uh, you uh, know the vine should be able to grow and give you the aesthetic value of the vine outside. But I wouldn't ex anticipate too much as far as uh, any you know sweet potatoes coming out as a result of this. Oh 
okay. And so if I do it again this winter, I probably should start with a new sweet potato. This one's looking kind of, leaves are getting kind of spotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's like just growing regular potatoes and stuff. You have to get seed potatoes. Just having regular potatoes to be able to be productive is going to be minimal at best. Okay. Okay. So I, I like something growing, you know, in my ki- kitchen. Sure. During the winter, so I just stick a, a sweet potato in a in a vase with water and it, it vines and uh, I I like it that way. Yeah, that's fine. Looks good. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks for your help. Sure. And we've got phone lines open, 314. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 436-7900-1800-925-1120. Back after these messages. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. Yes, folks, early spring. Guess what? Bugs, insects. And remember, south-facing yards are going to warm up first, so they're going to be the place to start watching for any kind of bugs. This time of year, thrips, aphids, mites, pine sawflies, tent caterpillars, scale, bagworms, beetles, whiteflies, and various forms overwintered as eggs, larvae, pupa, adults, and tree trunks, limbs attached to buildings, siding, and foundations. They're even in you know, dead plant material, vegetation. And guess what? This first wave of hatchings of these problematic insects when the silver maples are in bloom, and that is right now. You can notice on the branches, the, you know, the flowering 
are it's bright red. And so as it increases in size, that means the temperatures are getting warmer. And then guess what? The problems are going to start happening. Then that this next wave of insect activity is going to be when the red buds are in bloom. But right now it is the the maple trees, the silver maples, they are really exploding. So just watch out through your landscape if you have a history of any kind of problems that, you know, get it under control easy and early. Let's head over to Ron's yard now. Hi, Ron. Could you talk a little bit about the effectiveness and the use of a product called Preen? I have some uh, beds that, uh, you know, you get this uh, grasses, uh, surface grasses, that come up, and I would just like to know if you think that is a good product and how I should use it and apply it. Thank you, and I'll listen to your call. Sure. Basically, with anything, follow the instructions on the label. It's only certain things I always recommend, depending upon the season and other things, to go with like half the label rate. But with Preen, you want to go with a full label rate. And there is pretty effective. I mean, it is, you know, it's like a pre-emergence. So it does control plants that are coming up from seed. It does not control plants that are coming up from root systems. It doesn't have that kind of power, the strength. But what you can do is just give, you know, give it a shot, see what you think, because there are annual bluegrasses and things like that that uh, you know, come back from seed every year. And they can be really problematic with the numbers and everything else because any of these annual cool season, you know, or excuse me, warm season weeds do compete with whatever kind of, you know, plant material that you have there. Even something like shrubs, generally trees are not too impacted by this, but some of the more, let's say, fancy schmancy shrubs and definitely perennials annuals and all that other stuff are really impacted by these problematic annual weeds. And so, and preen is certainly something to give it a, you know, I've used it for a couple years and uh, I don't use it to, you know, I've kind of stopped using any kind of herbicide because I wanted, you know, in my landscape, because I just want to see what's coming up so I can talk about it, you know, on air on what, you know, things that I'm observing in my landscape. So it's just, you know, I, I used them for years and was pretty happy with the preen, you know, working. So anyway, give it a try and see what you think. Let's go over to Christy's yard. Hi, Christy. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I have hydrangeas in my front yard. Uh, they've been in the ground for seven to eight years. Last year, they did not produce hardly at all but they're pink and blue hydrangeas depending on you know the wind blows i guess but <laughs> <No>. um <laughs> but they did not produce at all it was very sad and so i'm trying to get ahead of the game and give them the best environment right now is there anything i can do to get them going or something i can add to the soil right now to to give them the best summer that they have they can have yeah basically last year a lot of hydrangeas throughout the entire region were damaged due to a late cold snap that we had and it killed the flower buds when they were still just basically buds you know on the stems so that's what happened last year so historically if you've uh you know, had good luck with them, I say uh, there's not really too much you can do. 
that's going to make a difference. Now, you generally yeah. aluminum sulfate or is what is used to keep the ones that are blue, keep them in a blue color as opposed to the pink. But uh, like I said, if you've had a history of good luck with them, then there's probably not too much that you need to do. It wouldn't hurt to, you know, I don't know if you put mulch down. An inch or two of mulch will just, you know, kind of help with the root system. But that's not even totally essential. Okay. All right. I'll just <laughs> cross my fingers. Exactly. <laughs> All right. But we, well, thank you so much. Yeah, we didn't get the cold snap that, uh, you know, a year ago in the fall that happened that really knocked the, you know, the hydrangeas for a, you know, really a knockout punch for those guys. It was really kind of yeah. sad. All right. Okay. Well, thank you. Sure. And now let's go to David's yard. Hi, David. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, your yeah, your comment on foster hollies. I'm in the market for the same thing this spring. Mm-hmm. I've called two high volume nurseries. You know, not uh, not the big box guys, but high volume. And I was told that that hadn't been for sale in St. Louis for 20 years, <laughs> which, which, which shocked me. But both both of them, neither one carries it, neither one had it coming in. And then I started quizzing them on, well, what's the closest thing? And one guy told me Oakland Holly, um, which I've never heard of, but, you know, it looks similar. But FYI, I know you, you know, you were, you might want to check that out on Foster Holly. I've asked, well, what's happened to it? And they said, we don't know, but none of the growers are selling them anymore. Mm, so That's interesting. Yeah, because I love that plant. Right. Super, super durable, and it's just a bit one of the most hardy plants I've ever had, and I've got the need for two of them. And, and so can can you suggest a replacement for it that's a similar green color and foliage and all that? I would say look at the American holly then. Well, those are a lighter green. Yeah, that's typically a much lighter green. I'm looking for that deep green. You know, I mean, somebody one time recommended, is it a Nellie Stevens? Nellie, yeah. Is that a holly bright? Yeah, it is. What a, is it? Uh, but as far as the growth rate or anything else in the ultimate height, you know, I don't know what you're trying to grow it for. But uh, if you're looking, you know, shrub-wise, look at the... Uh, blue princess and blue 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 princess and blue prince, you know shrub type holly. No, I, no, no, I'm looking for a tree. Oh, I'm looking okay. for a holly tree. Yeah, uh, that uh, and uh, I mean, there's got it. So I don't know, but uh, or maybe if you think of it, I mean, do your own research and let us know if there's because Foster Holly was my go-to pre-holly plant, you know, outside of an American holly, but that's a different look. Right, it is. I think American holly. Yeah, so I'm looking for the foster holly look, and then, you know, and Nellie Stevens, those are hard to find too. Right, they definitely um, are. In fact, they're yeah, they're rare. And but Oakland holly, and I looked it up, and you know, without seeing it, it's difficult to assess what it really is without right. you know in person. So just just an FYI on that, Mike. Okay. I would say also maybe check out the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot yeah, sure. dot org and yeah, see no, what I, they say about it. Yeah. Okay. 
that's what I'll try that next. All okay, right. great. Thanks, Good luck. Mike. Sure. Yeah. And now let's go to Beverly's. Hi, Beverly. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm calling because my neighbor's uh, zoysia grass is starting to creep into my my fescue and my bluegrass. Right. And I, I don't know if just putting more bluegrass seed over there will help or if I have to do something more vigorous to get rid of it. Um, probably, no. It's not going to be able to... Uh, you know, additional bluegrass or fescue seed, the cool seasons, uh, is not going to be able to knock it back to where it belongs. So I would just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you've got a, because you know, there are a few herbicides that are very few that can control the zoysia, but will, you know, in theory, not impact your cool season lawns. But I've never really seen them to be all that successful. So... I would say, unfortunately, there's not really going to be too much you can do to have great success with it. Yeah, it creeped across underneath the driveway. It creeped across and started coming in that way. Wow. Yeah, it came all the way across. It was a single driveway. It wasn't a double one. But still. It started creeping in, and I kind of ignored it. And now over the last two years, it's creeped in more, and I thought, Maybe before it gets much bigger, I better double-check on that and see if there was a way I could kind of— I live on a circle, so actually my front yard is really kind of small. And I just—I I really like the yard, like the look of a, of a green grass in the wintertime. I don't like that, that yellow grass in the wintertime. I like, I like to keep thinking of spring, and I like to keep thinking of summer and— I don't like that look of a zoysia grass in the winter. But well, also, I guess I may have to just learn to live with it. Yeah. Also, I would say, again, just like I just told the gentleman, uh, go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see what they say about control. Cause, that was my second thought. Thank yeah, you. Because, I mean, there are some esters and stuff like that that will control it, but it can have an adverse impact on some other, other plant material as well. So just go okay, to the mobile. Thank you so much. I, I've been listening to you. I know you're not as old as I am, but I've been listening to you for years and years, and I really appreciate How all the effort know? and all of the things you tell us. Thank I, you. I might be older than you. Oh, I'll be 86. Oh, nope. Sorry. <laughs> you got a few years on me. <laughs> and I still cut my grass, and I love to cut my grass. All right. Well, great. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the time of year to get that pre-emergent down because in spring when the yellow forsythia is in bloom or when the soil temperature is at 55 or above, the warm season annual weeds, which come back from seed, Spurge, ragweed, purslane, knotweed, lamb's quarter, black medic, carpetweed, crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, all kinds of other stuff as well. So these guys, and then some of them, like the violets, they come back from, yes, from seed, but also they come back from a root system that's pretty darn tough. Let's see, where should we go? Mm -hmm. Let's head over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. 
Hello, Mike. Hi, yes. Um, good morning. Um, I got a question. I planted 12, um, I know I'm going to butcher the name here, Artivori, they're like bush shrubs. Does that sound kind of, does that sound right? Ar- Arborvitae? Yep, that's it. That's okay. It. Sorry. And I planted them last year in March, about this time, and I wanted to know when would be the best time to put, like, some fertilizer spikes in those. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give them a little kick this spring. Well, I would do it. Get them in the, you know, get it in the ground is, you know, pretty quick. And just for the spikes are not the the ideal fertilizing unless and make sure because these are evergreens that you have that yeah. that you know they have the uh the uh, acidic quality to the fertilizer. So if it's just a generic type shrub uh fertilizer it may not have the right nutrient blend. What what would you recommend to use to give them a good kick start to spring? I mean they're doing well and they're starting to, you know, grow. Right. But I just want to I want to see a little more action. Yeah, just go well you're not going to create a big surge of growth especially if they've only been in the ground for one year. But uh right. yeah, just go to your favorite garden center and tell them you got some, you know, some arborvitae and you want to have some fertilizer that has some iron and some sulfur so you can get the pH right, and that will make it so the nutrients that are there can be absorbed. All right. Very good. I'll give that a shot. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Bye. And now let's go to Gene. Hi, Gene. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, Mark, Mike, um, I've got two typical house plants that were given to me uh, from a florist, of course, as a gift from my wife's funeral. Just a typical greenhouse plants, three or four different types of plants in each pot. Anyway, uh, they're doing fine, nice deep green. But my question is, the outer tips, ends of the leaves turn brown. Not all of them, but a few each plant turn brown and the dye. I don't know what the right thing to do, but I take a scissor and snip them off. I'm curious, is it turning brown and dying? Is that a sign, perhaps, of either too much water or not enough my dry humidity house? Well, it's probably not. It could be too much water, but generally if it's overwatering, the plants will have a tendency to more or less wilt. It won't just be the tips of the leaves. My guess is maybe uh, the—I don't know where you live, but uh, the tap water it might be the chemistry of the tap water that you're watering with. It may be too alkaline for these particular— yeah, you know, even though we well, don't, I, I live in a senior uh, uh, apartment type complex, and uh, I'm pretty sure the water is has water softener, 
Does that mean anything? Now, that know. could certainly, you know, add to the alkalinity. But uh, if you can, just make sure you don't overwater. And also, uh, maybe think about getting some distilled water and water with distilled water as opposed to the tap water. Now, also, when they put a blend in of plant materials, sometimes they're not chemistry the best. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after the news. Maxwell Edison, majoring in medicine, calls her on the phone. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which means a tip of the trial, which is a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me and during this past week or so. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. But right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether those plants are inside or out, you can call and get your name on the list on the call screen, uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And I certainly thank you for inviting me onto your show where discussions can range from making the best plant selection for a location, how to care for that plant after it's installed, talking about what should be done or not done, oh, just all kinds of stuff. The plant world here with our weather and everything else being so goofy. If you've had great success with some plant material, my tip of the trowel goes out to you. So everybody that's had good success with the plant material, plant world, and uh, so I give you the tip of the trowel because I know it is not easy to grow anything at all. So there's no <laughs> there's no guarantee. Some are easier for sure, like in the summertime, you know, canna bulbs are really great. And elephant ears are really great. And then uh, sometimes hmm, even those have some real trouble. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides our Saturday morning gathering, I can come out to your plant world and give you an on-site consultation, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. So the tip of the trial, again, goes out to all the people that have had success in our screwy, you know, horrible, I shouldn't say horrible, but uh, let's say unique world of weather. Because just like uh, the call, you know, in the last hour where the lady was disappointed by her hydrangeas, and every year there's something that kind of catches us by surprise and it's, you know, related to our weather as far as not blooming, not growing right, not doing this, not doing that. So it is really tough. So a tip of the trial goes out to you. So let, why don't we go ahead and take a couple phone calls, and then we will take a break. Let's head over to Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Sure. I have a dilemma in connection with this expected invasion of cicadas. We're slated to do some landscaping this spring, which includes planting trees. You know, we're thinking about American hornbeam or some crab apple or other ornamental in a, a series along the driveway and then a larger shade tree in front. But I keep hearing about how um, young trees will be at risk. 
So I hate to make that big of an investment just to serve lunch to cicadas. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, Missouri Extension Service that says they'll be here March, April, May, and then, you know, their cycle is ended. I, there are all these trade-offs. If I wait too late, then um, the inventory is gone and we're in the heat of summer. Um, but I really don't want to take the financial risk of doing something that spendy and having it destroyed. I'm wondering about the timing, but I'm also wondering if I just go ahead and, and spend up. I, I know of a resource where their trees are, you know, pretty mature, 14 feet or so. Of course, that means you're spending $1,000 a piece. So. Right. How do I handle all these trade-offs? Well, it's just going to be, I don't want to say a roll of the dice, but it is kind of that. And I'm not really sure, you know, when the, what you said, March, April, May, that's when they're saying the cicadas are coming? Well, the, the Missouri University Extension Service characterized into March through May, and then they do their thing and they'll die off a couple of weeks later. Right. So, you know, that's kind of prime planting season and, um you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure these landscapers, they take the same risk. What I'm interested in planting is sitting on their lot, but I'd rather it be their financial risk. I don't know if I get a older tree. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know how to handle it. A new, newly installed tree is still not going to have a well-established root system. So, you okay. know, to be able to battle this scenario, it's not going you're going to be spending a lot more money for a larger tree and it's not going to make that much difference. Okay, because it's I guess the issue it's not the height and the the girth of the trunk or anything. It's it's how well it can resupply itself with nutrients after the invasion. Right, and the so it's going to be real interesting to see. I mean, I've been hearing about this whole thing for a couple of years, and you know, I grew up in Ellisville. We had a lot of cicadas over the years. We used to pull the uh, exoskeletons off the trees. And hook them to our shirts, and like we were being attacked by the things. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I'm just a little bit concerned that they may be over exaggerating. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess what's different is that they say it's the double whammy of the seven and thirteen year at the same time. Right. But I just. Um, so there's really, I mean, there's. There's no clear solution to this. It's just a financial gamble. Right. So can you imagine if you owned a nursery and you're hearing all this? Oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah, that's a livelihood. Right. And so, uh, again, I just, uh, you know, I know it's sort of like what you've said, but I don't know. I just, I don't get that paranoid about it. Okay. All right. Well, I trust your wisdom. I know it's not guaranteed, <laughs> but, you know, you you know a lot more than I do. I, I appreciate you helping. Well, great. Well, good luck, whether you decide to or not to uh, do the installations. So you can wait. I mean, springtime is not really the ideal time to be planting trees. So fall is by, a be, you know, by far a better time because the ground is warm. You install a tree. And the ground is warm. That encourages root growth. And then the tree gets to, and this is not just trees. This is any kind of woody plant material. Then they get to go to sleep for the wintertime, where if you install in the spring, the ground is cold because we're coming out of wintertime. So the root system, even if we're not worried about cicadas, sits there and goes, it's really cold. And they're not going to do a whole lot of growth. 
And then they're facing our summertime, which is, you know, kind of a worse time for, you know, newly installed plant material versus a wintertime. So there's all kinds of other things besides this, you know, cicada scare. So anyway, enough of that. Let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Yeah, hi, hi Mike. Uh, hi. Just was calling because another question about uh, holly trees. Uh-huh. I've got a tree that's 35 to 40 years old, Ooh. and it's, you know, 18 to 20 feet high. Right. And just it's, it's always been extremely healthy healthy uh, with dark green leaves. What it's done, though, it's starting about a month ago, Mike, and I guess it's got some kind of infection. Uh, the leaves have turned uh, yellowish brown, and most of them have fallen off. And there's these little nodules on the ends of the leaves that are just, if you, you know, thumb and forefinger, you can, they just kind of rub off. But uh, is this going to, is a tree dead or how ma- I just don't quite know what's happening. Yeah, percentage-wise, how many you know, how many of the leaves have fallen? Maybe uh, 60, 70%. Ooh, then that's a, you know, that's a bad sign. I would say okay. go ahead and take the leaves to the garden center, but this, you know, it sounds like your holly, it could be just age, it could be several other factors as well. And well, it's uh, just these little nodule things, they, I've never had those before and it, it it seemed like there was some warm weather and a bunch of birds. Uh, I, I think they somehow got some kind of infection going because these little nodules, uh, I've never seen those before, mm. but they rub off. I mean, they're, you know, little things and just at the very end of the stems. Right. So, I mean, it could be a type of scale, but like I said, go to a year-round garden center and have them take a look at it. Okay. Just bring them a le- leaves and whatnot. Yeah, like maybe a dozen leaves or so. Okay. And let them Thank you, know. you very much, Mike. Yep. Good luck with that. See ya. Uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, we have phone lines open. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I I have a houseplant question. I back in 1986, I bought a yucca elephant titus in a little two-inch pot. Over the years, I have well, oh, twice over the years, when it started to get too big, I just cut it and stuck it into another pot and of course it went into major shock and I managed to get it back to life again. All right. It is now almost to the ceiling. It's Ooh. about it's over seven feet tall. I really need to cut it down. What is the best way to I I don't know what the term is, air root it? You know, it, it's like starting like what you would do to a dumb cane. You know, it's a, the center stalk is about the size of a broomstick. So, you know, rather than just hacking it off and sticking it in the ground, I, I've heard there are other ways to get houseplants like that started, rooted, 
so the roots can start, and then you remove it from the base of the plant, and you have roots that have already started, and then you could plant it, and the plant won't suffer so much shock. Right. Uh, basically, you get a rooting hormone, and the rooting hormone bottle or box or whatever should have the instructions, but what it's going to say is make a cut into the into the stalk at the height or the length or whatever that you want to have a new plant. Then you're going to okay. make this cut and you're going to cut a little you're going to cut a wedge out of the stalk and then you're going to you know put this rooting hormone in that area. You're going to wrap that with uh, like mosses and not peat moss but like regular mo- you know type of moss and then you're going to wrap that with uh, burlap. But, it, I mean, for it to be able to root enough to actually get a start, it could take a considerable amount of time. So you just have to be patient. Okay. And that's about, a, you know, that would be the way that you could do it. Also, you could contact the St. Louis Cactus Society and see if they have a better way than that to, you know, to, to make, a, you know, a new plant. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. So it would just be like moss that I would get from... The craft store. Right. So okay. what you want to do is just, and then wrap that with burlap, and then you just want to, for moisture and air, you don't want it to get, you know, be too moist because then it could rot, you know, that, okay. you know, the top that's, you're trying to get rooted. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. I will give that a try. I appreciate it. Thank you. Elaine, how are you today? Even though you don't feel good, I think you got a broken wing and you're not flying too high right now. No, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, I want to know a couple of things. One is, what do you know about double hollyhocks? Are they hard to grow? I know they grow from seed. Uh, basically, they're no harder than the. There are they are a little bit harder, but. Uh, than the regular hollyhock, but uh, they still, you know, have a limited, you know, limited growth, and then they self-seed for the, you know, for the next generation. Oh, they do. They yeah. self-seed. Right. Okay. I've got an area behind my house. It's between the top of a three-foot-tall retaining wall and then my neighbor's uh, a tall wood fence behind that, and there's an area about 10 or 12 feet long, and I'd say maybe just 12 or 14 inches wide that I was thinking some hollyhocks would look really good. I was thinking about getting some potting mix and spreading back there and seeding them and uh, keeping them well watered and seeing if I would have any luck with them. First, is this a sunny location? Uh, it's it's uh, uh, partial sun. Well, partial sun may be not so good. They don't like shade? No. <laughs> they, li- they like full sun. Right. Okay, that that's a thought. I need to know that. Right. Uh, the the people that want a tall holly, I I like the dragon lady hollies. Do you ah, like them? Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're skinny. Right. I have some that are over twenty years old though, and they seem to be uh, about at the end of their lifespan. So I don't know if it's where they're planted or just they're old, but they're not looking as good as they did when they were young. Right. Well, then yeah. that's the same thing with people. <laughs> I'm 89, and I'm not looking as good as I did when I was young either. <laughs> what about soft-serve false cypress? Do you know that plant? Uh, no, I don't. Now, I've, wh- seen it, 
I've seen it on the Internet, and it looks just beautiful, but I know the garden centers tend to carry things that are hardy for their location. Sure. So if they don't have them here, that probably means it's not good for this area. Well, do you have access to the Internet? Oh, yeah, I could order one off the Internet, but well, I'm kind what of I was skeptical gonna, about that. Yeah, I would say, again, check the Missouri Botanical Garden website and see okay. what they say about the plant. Okay. That's Thank the best you. thing. You know, I mean, those are experts. There's no getting around it. Thank you so much. Sure. You have a good day. You do the same. And now let's go to Jill's. Hi, Jill. Hello, Jill. Are you there? Hmm. Guess not. Let's go now to Jim's. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. Uh, from Belleville, Illinois. Okay. Uh, I have a, a sage plants, and the Bermuda grass is grown in them. I've managed to keep it under control uh, by pulling it, which is a lot of work. Yes. Can I spray weed killer there, and it won't hurt the sage plant? No, you can't. But you can spray a grass killer in it, and that will kill the grass. But it, won't, it shouldn't damage your sage. Oh, okay. That's kind of what I meant. I, I meant say grass killer. Right. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah, weed killer will d- definitely do some damage, but grass killers are very specific on, you know, the plants that they have, a, a, let's say, a killer impact. So good luck with that. And it's, it's, now let's go to the second gym. Hi, Jim. Okay. Yes, good go morning, ahead. Mike. Hope you- Hope you're on the mend. Yes. Um, earlier this week, Monday and Tuesday, while the weather was nice, I did some uh, light dethatching uh, in my lawn, primarily to get up leaves and debris and so forth. Right. And then uh, when the uh, forsythia has come out, I plan to put out some pre-emergent. Okay. But I'd also like to uh, put in some grass seed later on, primarily in bare spots. And I'm wondering if the combination of the pre-emergent and grass seed is a futile attempt yes <laughs> yeah. okay so, so even if i break up the bare spots break up the soil and so forth and put out the grass seed as late as possible it's still probably not going to work well it's you know if you do if you break up because basically what a a, a pre-emergent does is it creates a chemical barrier so when the seed germinates below it then consequently uh that's how it kills it but if you break that chemical barrier by raking it heavy duty and maybe adding some compost to it before you put the seed down, and I wouldn't put the seed down any later. Are you doing like bluegrass or fescue, I'm assuming? Uh, fescue. Okay. So I would say uh, I wouldn't put any seed down any past, you know, like late April, early May because— okay. I mean, the seed then will be facing, a, who knows what our summer is going to be like, but the sure. heat of the summer could be really detrimental to new, now, newly germinated seed. I do have an in-ground irrigation system, so I can keep it wet, and I don't know how much that helps to cool it down You know, from the heat of the summer. Would that allow me to put out the grass seed a little bit later than what you just mentioned? Uh, not, I mean, I guess it could, but you're still just taking a big chance. Yeah. Okay. So late April or early May yeah. for the grass seed. Yeah. Okay. The ideal time would be to do it in, you know, late August, early September. Yeah, sure. I, I plan to do that. I, I usually do it in the fall, but I just had some bare spots. I wanted to try to, you know, hit the spring, but I also want to get the pre-emergent down this year. So, right. Okay. 
Thanks for your help. Sure. And, folks, we do have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Yes, I have a question about planting seeds in pots. Is it too soon to do it for outside? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit early. Okay, I also have a problem with squirrels. What can (laughs) I put on the covered up? I know they said marigolds are supposed to keep them away because they're supposed to be poisonous. But they have even pulled up my flowers when they have started to, I guess they're still looking for acorns or whatever. But they have pulled them up from the roots. And what can I do even with the potted plant? What can I put over them? I would say a physical barrier, like maybe put a an inch or so of gravel on the top or some like uh, screen wiring and things with, you know, basically spaces in between the screen wire that will allow the plant to be able to grow up through it. Grow up through it. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because a physical barrier is going to be better than, uh, you know, I mean, you could try a repellent if you want and see, you know, how much success you have with it. And now let's uh, go to Mary's. Mary Mary Lee. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have... Uh, landscaping rocks and in between that in a couple spots I have this crazy purple um, uh, clover and I was wondering how to get rid of that basically uh, just use a broadleaf weed killer okay all right well that's great I'll yeah. try that yeah because if you try to pull it up uh, I don't know if you've tried that if you don't yes. get all the entire <laughs> root system then it's going to come back, you know, maybe it won't be automatic that it's going to come back. But uh, that's what I was going to talk about uh, if we had a little chance was if you do hand weeding and you don't get the entire root system of what you're pulling up, then you're not really sort of getting rid of the problem. Okay, one other thing. Uh, I have a grass that, you know, every year grows in between the, um, what are those, Laropia? Right. Plants. Okay, the, and um, so is. can you put something on that, or do I have to just keep pulling it out? Uh, you're probably better off to pull it out, but what you can do is if it's an annual bluegrass, you know, an annual-type weedy grass, you could put a pre-emergent down in the liriope, and the liriope won't be impacted by the pre-emergent. Okay. That's great. Thank you. Sure. And let's see what's going on in Bruce's yard. Hi, Bruce. Yeah. I just walked out and looked. My first Scythia has got three or four blooms on it. I live out in St. Charles. Okay. And let me make one more comment. I, I had trouble with squirrels digging up my plants. I have a window box, and I went out to a big box store, and I got some giant rocks. And I plant my plants, and then I put these rocks all around, and I have never had a squirrel digging in there since. Right, a physical barrier. Yeah. Like I say, and these are big rocks, so I could pick them up. Plant my plants, put the rocks back down. All right, so like a two-inch rock? Yeah, yeah, these were, like I say, at a big box store. I don't know where else you get Trouble with gravel is not you try and pick it up every year, and then, you know, it's small, so. Right. Like that, that, that was for me anyway. Well, great. 
Yeah, usually that if it's a, like a brown rock, it's called B grade, and uh, it is you know the size of it is pretty consistent, and it's usually two, around two inches or so. And now let's see, go over to Gloria's. Hi, Gloria. You know, that's all right. Gloria. Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, you say something about the grass seed. When is uh, where can you put down the grass seed? I got a lot of grass spots. Okay, I mean. I would wait till it gets a little bit warmer, and that way you're going to get the seed germination a little bit, you know, sooner. But uh, I would say go ahead and just wait and you know for another week or two of, of this month, and it should be the, the ground should be warm enough that the seed germination should occur. Okay. What about your tomato seeds? Do you have? Can you plant them inside right now? Uh, only if you have grow lights and you have some kind of bottom mat heat. Or else they're just uh, the seeds are not going to do anything. Now and no, I don't have I I don't have the map. Uh, what about the cannons? When can I put them out? Um, you could probably. I mean, if you put them out too early, they could just sit there, and you're going to be going out there yeah. looking at it all the time. I would say wait until uh, around the first of May or so. Okay, they just take too long to come like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank well, you. what you can do is if you have a sunny window. Put them in a, a pot with potting mix, and then see if you can get them to germinate in, you know, the tuber to germinate inside. And then when you put them outside, they've already got to start on growth. Yeah, I do got a two Sunday windows in the basement. I can't use them in the upstairs, but uh, but the basement be cold. Is that got something to do with it? Yeah, that could, well, it's not going to be that cold. So if oh, you okay. have it in front of a window and the window has sun coming in it, that should be warm enough. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. Sure. Good job. And let's go to Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mike. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, the man called in about a holly and with the yellow leaves. Yes. And uh happened to me a couple times. Uh, could be it got frozen when we had that real cold weather. Right. And it uh, happened to me a couple times, and it, uh, one spot on my holly, I got it out front of the house, and it's towards the north. And when that cold wind came in, it got frozen, and a b- bad spot froze and turned yellow, and all the leaves fell off. And it greened up again, and then we had another cold snap, and that same spot with the new leaves froze out. So anyway, I just thought, told you, thought I'd tell you that it might have that might have been the cold weather that did that because we had those real cold spells earlier this year. Right. Well, great. Well, thanks. And then the other thing I wanted to tell you is I have a mandevilla vine, and I have it blooming right now. Whoa. Now that's inside, right? Inside in my basement. Yeah, I have it under a grow light. Wow, great. And it's pretty well pot-bound. you think I should uh, repot it when I, when I take it out this spring or just leave it alone? If you're going to repot it, make sure the pot is no bigger than two inches uh, larger than the existing pot. So don't make it into a huge pot. But if you've had good success with it, I'd say just leave it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your insight on the holly. Because, I mean, his holly was fairly old. And uh, so I'm surprised because there's over the last 20 years or so that he's had it, we've had some cold snaps too. But uh, maybe the fact of the holly's age 
Plus, the you know the cold weather had the you know adverse impact on the you know on the foliage. Let's now go over to Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. My question's about uh, soil preparation. Right. I had a carport slab in my backyard that we took up this spring, and the slab had been there for probably fifty years. Ooh. So underneath, uh, I suspect there was just a lot of clay. And um, when the landscaper took it out, they they just poured some topsoil compost on top of it. And this morning, as I was using a fork to dig it up, I can see that about six inch, inches underneath the topsoil, it's just very light, brownish something. And I'm not sure if it's clay or what, but what would your thoughts be on leaving that in there and how to uh, get it ready for planting? Well, to be honest with you, was this concrete? Yes. Okay. So also over the years, the concrete has leached an alkalinity and a saltiness down into the ground. So before I did any kind of planting, investing on new plant material or anything, I would get a soil test done and find out what the actual, you know, what you're really looking at as opposed to just trying, you know, trying to guess. Okay. And the University of Missouri does, you know, does, the Extension Service does a soil test. They used to have the office in Kirkwood, but now it's in Overland. So just go to the University of Missouri Extension Service, find out the address, and then, you know, get a soil test done before you invest a whole lot of time or energy or money in this area. Uh, I'm going to assume it's pretty alkaline. Uh, What's going to be the most organic way to amend the soil? Basically, then this is going to have to be, you know, with, you know, adding chemicals is going to change it, but also not just dumping stuff on top of it, blending it in with the existing soil. So the fact that he, you know, dumped this organic matter or whatever, topsoil or whatever it was, just to dump it in there doesn't doesn't make good sense. You want to have it blended. Sorry, I lost you. <laughs> so you just want to get the soil test done, find out what's going on, and then add the organic matter to it and mix it all together with the existing soil circumstance. And let's go ahead and take a break. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, we're headed to Lenny's yard. Hi, Lenny. Mike, how are you? Very good. Uh, um, I'm going to ask a question opposite of everybody else. I got an Althea or Rosa Sharon, whatever you want to call it, uh-huh. um, that shades my fish pond. And will it hurt if I, I don't want it to bloom? Because when it blooms, the the flowers drop in my pond and right. they clog out my filters. Will it hurt to just keep it at the shape it is and cut the buds off, or will it eventually start hurting it? No, it won't hurt it because the flowering is more aesthetic than anything. Now, the f- leaves and stuff is crucial because the leaves make food. You know, they take the right. nutrients and blah, blah, blah with the sun and create chlorophyll, but the flowers are just strictly, you know, aesthetic more so than anything else. So essentially when I start seeing them bud, then I can go nip the 
buds off. Nip the buds off. Okay, right. cool. Thank you, sir. Sure. And now let's go over to Jeff's yard. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. I have a grass question for you, please. It looks like I have Bermuda grass taken over my front yard, and I read somewhere that some people consider it a grass, some people consider it a weed. I'd just like to get your opinion on that. Well, it's a personal, you know, personal call more so than anything. If you wanted the philosophy my father had when I was growing up, to him, anything that was green was good. But uh, some, I mean, it is a little bit invasive, and you know, aesthetically. It's you know kind of a warm season grass, so it doesn't look all that good through the winter time. But uh, beyond that, it's just a personal call. Okay, it's I have fescue, so it's not matching out there. Right. Uh, and I think we spoke once. You said if I do want to get rid of it, smothering it with cardboard or plastic is not the way to go. Correct. Right. You really not. That's not the best way to do it. But uh, I'd go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have the Bermuda and uh, see what kind of chemical they have. Okay, I appreciate that. You have a good rest of your weekend. Okay, you do the same thing. And now let's go over to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Hey, good morning. Hey, I want to get your opinion on rubber mulch compared to the bark mulch. What's the pros and cons? It creates an environment for your soil that's below it that gets really high fungus problems. So it's problematic from that standpoint. Okay, not uh, good to mix them either? No. Okay, that answers that. Thank you very much. Sure. And let's see what's going on in Gene's yard. Hi, Gene. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have an overseeding question. Um, I had my yard aerated and overseeded last year, and it came in pretty good. But because of my constant battle with voles, I've got some bare spots. Can I just broadcast seed uh, on top this year, or do I need to aerify again? Uh, you don't need to aerify, but you need to rake the area pretty well to break the surface up before you put the seed All right, down. Thank you. And then put a seed starter fertilizer down with it. And let's go now over to Kurt's. Hi, Kurt. Hello, uh, Mike. This is Kurt uh, from Highland. I've got a large patch of uh, Pachysandra under some tall trees, uh, quite a few hickories that drop nuts, and I just cannot seem to get the patch to, to fill in. Any ideas on uh what I can do there? There's probably not too much you can do. The pachysander is pretty tough. It's certainly durable, but there's probably a lot of root systems underneath that spot where you, you're having trouble growing it. And there's, I mean, that's the, the tree, so there's not too much you can do because you can't get rid of the root system. Okay. So I just picked a bad spot to try to grow it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your help. Sure. Yeah, my experience with the Pachysandra when I worked at the Botanical Garden underneath because the English Woodland Garden had a lot of trees in it, and there were certain areas that the Pachysandra, even though it's durable, it's tough, and the shade just couldn't get a foothold. And there was other areas which uh, it got well-established. So you just don't know. It's kind of a roll of the dice. Let's go over to Clara's. Hi, Clara. Hello, Mike. Uh, Clara Nichols. Uh, I have a 20-year-old hard maple beautiful tree and it's starting to get cracks up the sides in the bark is there anything wrong with the tree or can we do anything about that or what's causing this well it could be just a you know the girth or the diameter of the trunk is growing and that's what's causing a crack is it a single crack that's going you know a straight line up the trunk no they're just 
multiple cracks with oh. different, you know, different spaces. Yeah, so that's but nothing to worry about. That's just a, a you know natural growth habit of the trunk. Probably grew too fast or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Sure. Thanks to everybody who called in. I greatly appreciate it. And if you got any kind of spring flowering bulbs that are germinating, that are even flowering and everything else, this would be a good time to, you know, to fertilize them, you know, because you're going to be trying to extend their life for another couple seasons. And uh, so get ready for that. Pansies are really starting to show up at the garden center. So if you want some color, window boxes and things like that. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.